As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of Answers Network. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. And if you're, if you're just learning about this show now, know that it is on the air for you. And by bringing on special guests that can inspire, educate, and in some cases entertain, our goal for each show is to bring answers and options to making your lives happier, healthier, and more successful. And remember, if you can't listen live, go to our website at answers.network and browse through a variety of heartfelt and enlightening topics. I am confident that you will find something that will bring greater joy to your life. Now, I also have a favor to ask. Please forward one of our shows to your social media group and to someone you know who can benefit from a particular subject. This is a powerful way that we can make a positive influence in the world. Now, speaking of making a positive influence, that can also be said about today's guest, Frank Forensic. Now, according to Frank, the world is full of tigers, what we call stressors, but only some of them are real. In his book, Beware False Tigers, Strategies and Antidotes for an Age of Stress, he tells us, learn their ways and you'll become stronger, wiser, and more resilient. <clears throat> it is no secret that our world is in turmoil with increasing pressure on our minds and our bodies. Now, when this occurs, cortisol surges through our tissues, driving us towards impatience, distress, dysfunctional behavior, and declining health. Now, the standard narrative tells us that stress is your problem with individual solutions. It's a lifestyle issue, a medical condition. It's a challenge to our personal well-being. But the standard narrative gets it wrong. In fact, stress is a systematic psychosocial problem and a global health issue. It's a shared predicament that demands collective action. Now, according to Frank, the good news is stress can actually be the key to unlocking a more functional and fulfilling future for all of us. Beware False Tigers is a book about focus. It's about responding appropriately to the right tigers in the right proportion at the right time. As you'll discover, our encounter with stress can be fascinating, powerful, and incredibly meaningful. Now, along with being an author, Frank is an internationally recognized leader in health and performance education. He earned his bachelor's degree at Stanford University in human biology and neuroscience and has over 30 years teaching experience in martial arts and health education. Frank holds black belts in karate and Aikido and has traveled to Africa on several occasions to study human origins and the ancestral environment. In 2012, Frank was named by Experience Life magazine as one of five visionaries leading the charge to better health in a healthier world. So Frank, first, 
thank you for leading the charge and welcome to Answers Network. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be on with you. Well, it is my pleasure. Uh, I was so glad when uh, when Jan told me that we had you on the show. And so it, it gave me the opportunity to start uh, looking at your book uh, and learning more about you and what you've been doing. And it is just incredible um, that uh, that I didn't learn about you sooner because <laughs> Uh, I think that you are doing so many things that make such a great and positive difference that, um, you know, I want you to just keep doing what you're doing because it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, glad to be on. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I liked, and I think it was in one of your earlier books, is, you know, you draw a lot of, of your information from us as humans but also as animals. So right. talk about this, uh, you called it, I think, the primate's predicament and the state of the human animal and um, how, how it is looking for humans uh, and, and what does that say about the stress levels that we're bringing upon ourselves? Right. Well, to start with my experience in Africa, my interest in the Paleolithic period in human history, for me, that's always the touchstone. That's where I begin, because uh, that constitutes the majority, the vast majority of human life on Earth. We are hunter-gatherers. We have lived outdoors in wild, natural environments. And in that setting the stress that we experienced was occasional. It was episodic. Sometimes it was traumatic, but it was always rhythmic. It was always oscillating. So you would go out and you would have a hunt, for example. It might be stressful. You might be out for several days. You might have an encounter with a wild animal. That would be stressful. And then you come back to camp and you get to rest. And you might rest for several days before you go out again. And this rhythm has been described as the Paleolithic rhythm. That's what's normal for the human animal. That is what we, we can assume that that is stress relieving to experience life in that way. But now we're in the situation where stress is very much chronic and unrelenting and all the, all the prognostics seem to be pointed in the wrong direction. So especially things like climate and this ecological catastrophe that we're witnessing around the world, that is um, a stressor that we're not even familiar with. I mean, this, this is something that's brand new for us. So you add that with all the various other social stressors we have, economic stressors, and it adds up to what I call a, stress burden that mm -hmm. is unprecedented in human history. We've never had to deal with this much stress before. And you can see it expressed in the in human behavior now. So much bad behavior, whether it's air rage or um, incivility across society, people are under pressure and we're having trouble coping. And <clears throat> how much of this do would you would you say that you know the the uh, the advent of 24 hour news uh, which, which we know is incredibly negative, uh, where how much of this do you think is brought on by things like that? Right. When, when you lived in the paleo, all your stress was local. You never had any concerns about what was going on on the other side of the planet. You had a radius of maybe five or 10 or 20 miles, and you might be stressed about what happened there. But now we have all these stressors that are remote and they're piped in to our homes and our cars and our ears at every waking hour, just about. So yes, that's a big contributor to the anxiety that we feel. Yeah. In, in the introduction, I mentioned uh, cortisol. And because I brought it up with with people that are um, highly stressed, and at the same time they're struggling with um, they're struggling with their weight, they're struggling with their their body image and things. And I've tried to explain to them that if you will turn off the news, it will actually help those other things. Um, share a little bit about that. 
Right. Some people have advocated for a news fast. Um, Andrew Weil used to talk about that. And that, that was like 20 years ago. He began talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that does make sense. And that's why I, for example, I use my, my phone, my smartphone, more like a landline. I leave it in my office. If I take my dog out for a walk, I don't take my phone with me. And that's a little mini news fast, you might say. If I go for a hike, I don't take my phone. And it's not a complete disconnect, but it's a partial disconnect. And it really helps because when I'm in that state, I don't feel distracted and I can pay attention to my surroundings, which is, that's a big disconnect for a lot of people now. So, yes. Well, what do you believe are the really big stressors of our time right now? The ones that you refer to as the real tigers, the big tigers. And without question, climate is by far the biggest tiger on the planet right now. And this is why atmospheric scientists are so up in arms, their hair's on fire because they see what's coming. And this even the conservative estimates are going to displace Um, millions of people. And the stress on society is going to be enormous. And even if one or two ecosystems goes down, that's a loss of agriculture, a loss of food, loss of fresh water, loss of biodiversity. These are the real tigers that we have to deal with. And unfortunately, they don't get the play that um, they a lot of people don't pay attention to this. And a lot of people are in denial about that as well. So that's that's a challenge in its own right. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen some of the uh, the testimony of of David Attenborough uh, testifying, you know, about it at n- not only in the United States but in the world court, and it's it's so amazing to me that um, that we can have the amount of information that's out there that points to where these problems are. And I think he does a great job of, of uh, articulating, you know, that because of this, we've already seen A, B, and C. So that, you know, if we continue along that path, we are X amount of years from X, Y, and Z. And I thought, you know, that that was as clear as, as I felt anybody could have presented something. And yet I felt like the politicians sitting on the other side of the room were clueless to uh, what he was saying. Right. Yeah. And that's a that's a big part of our predicament is that we've come to rely on fossil fuels so completely now that to do anything different seems nearly impossible. So it's a cultural issue. It's a psychosocial issue. And it's intimidating as hell. And so it's not it's not really a surprise that people would close down the aperture of consciousness because, in effect, that's an easy way to make stress go away is to simply shut down your attention. And it it kind of works, but only for a while. I get it. Um, So what would be some of the other. The, the big stressors and the ones that, well, and actually, no, before we go off of that one, um, you're speaking now to an audience. What can they do? You know, tell, tell people what they can do if it's from the standpoint of, of you know, going to their, you know, their Congress people, go to your senators, go to your city council. Um, you know, what are some of the things that people can do to make a difference uh, without, without, putting the whole burden on their own shoulders. Right. Well, the the thing for me in terms of action that holds the most promise comes out of the UK and this group called Extinction Rebellion. And what they're doing is promoting civil disobedience as a way to get the message across. And they do it in a, they're very much nonviolent, but they are promoting civil disobedience as a way to, highlight the extremity of our crisis. So that is a place to begin. And then, of course, all the conventional channels as well, but even keeping conversation open with the people that we know in our lives. That's something that's we feel very uncomfortable 
And it's almost like there's a taboo against talking about these difficult subjects. But I think you have to be brave. You have to be courageous in talking to other people about these kinds of things. So and that's difficult to do when you're under stress. So that's why the stress management stuff is so important. Yeah. And I think to me, some of the biggest stressors are the things where we feel like we don't have any control over it. Uh, and so it just weighs on us. And that's why I always bring up from the standpoint of, you know, for people to you know, figure out what it is that you can do without giving up your job, without mm-hmm. um, you know, ignoring your family or anything else. But what are some of the things you can do? And usually it comes down to put somebody else in office because because the ones that are there now are not looking at our best interests. And if we continue to put that message out, we're starting to see some people that are running and they're not they're not tied to a party. They're not uh, bought and paid for. Uh, and I think that if we can just, you know, find the people like that, uh, support them, but then, you know, don't make it your focus every day. Go back to your own work, go back to your own family and do what it is you need to do to still have a happy life. But I think that when we when we feel completely helpless to be able to do anything, I think at least for me, that's when it weighs even heavier. Right. And that's uh, that's one of the foundational ideas in the stress world is that the sense of control is vital. And you can even prove that with non-human animals in the laboratory. If you give a, a rodent a bar to push on that will uh, relieve the the electrical shocks or whatever it is, that animal will do better than another animal that, that does not have that sense of control. So that's that's fundamental. And we need to be giving people that sense of control whenever possible. But this brings up a kind of a, a bigger picture for me where mm-hmm. I think that there is a, there's a yin and a yang to stress management. So there's, the yang side would be where we can establish control and the yin side is where we relinquish control. And the paradox here is that both of these can work. And we're, we're very accustomed to hearing, I think in the, in the stress community, the meditation and yoga communities about the importance of relinquishing our attachment. That's important and it works but also seizing control works. And that's where we do our work. That's where we have our to-do lists and our calendars and we, we get sit down at our desk and make things happen. So work works, but relinquishing control also works. Mm-hmm. So you got to find the balance. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so what would, what would be another, what you would call a, a huge stressor uh, of our time right now? Well, the the people, the scientists who study this, they, they, they list control as a, a fundamental factor, but also things like predictability. That's another big one. And you can prove this with animal experiments. If you give an animal a sense of predictability, they do better. Um, social support, obviously, that's a good one. Outlets are important. If you have a hobby or exercise or something like that, you're going to do better. Mm-hmm. And, um, trends. So that, that's another one. And that's, I think, why so many of us are addicted to the news is because we want to know what the trends are. And so the, those are the fundamentals right there. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I noticed, and your dog also had some comments and I tend to agree with them as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, uh, now in your book, you, you refer to, um, uh, the hockey stick of novelty. Share with us what, what you're referring to in that. Right. This I find fascinating because, again, thinking about the paleo and thinking about human history, if you lived pretty much any time in the paleo, your life would have been pretty much the same as your parents and your grandparents and your great-great-grandparents. And going the other way, your descendants would have had lives almost identical to yours. You would have had stone tools. You would have done some pumpkin, some gathering, and that's it. Culture and life ways would not have changed hardly at all from generation to generation. And then something happened 
around the time of the Industrial Revolution, whether it's the printing press, whether it's the steam engine, whether it's science, mm-hmm. whatever it is, now we get this explosion of novelty. And now we can no longer assume that our children are going to have lives substantially like our own. In fact, this hockey stick of acceleration implies that our kids, our next generation, is they're going to have a life very much different from ours. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge stressor. We see this hockey stick graph all over the place. It's not just climate and biodiversity or population. It's novelty, innovation, everything else. So we have not had time to metabolize these things. It takes years, maybe generations to metabolize certain new developments. And we haven't had time to do that. Right. So I think what you're saying is that there are some stressors out there that we don't even know what they're going to be yet because we don't know which direction it's going to go. Right. And young people are blown away by this. They don't even know whether they should go to college or not. What should they study? Is my discipline going to even be relevant in 10 years? What is coming down the pipe? Nobody seems to know. And that sense of uncertainty is really challenging. Well, what are some of the things, because I know that you talk in the book, obviously, some of the consequences, uh, you know, that we've already seen with massive social stress. But what are some of the consequences we may find in the future that we that we've not yet had to deal with? But based on on your studies, you have an idea of where it may take us. Right. It's just a general. um you might say acceleration of confusion. We we have fewer and fewer things that we can depend upon now. And misinformation is, is one of these things and just a declining level of trust now that we have in each other and in institutions and organizations, people are a lot more frightened and more skeptical in general. So, Yeah. So that's a tough one. The other consequence that we see a lot now is what's called reversion to the familiar. And this is a characteristic response of all animals when they're under stress. The idea that I can't deal with the novelty, that this explosion of novelty is coming at me too fast. So I'm going to revert to what I know. I'm going to revert to the familiar. And we all know how this works when you have a bad day. You go home, you want to sit on your familiar couch, you want to put your feet up on your familiar coffee table, and you want to watch the TV shows or read the familiar books. You don't want more novelty. And in moderation, this is a great course of action. It's a great prescription. But in the extreme, it becomes really pathological when you have thousands or millions of people reverting to the familiar then then the kind of changes we need as a culture are just aren't going to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> when you mentioned in regards to the trust, and yes, I've read many things that say that, you know, we're at an all time low in regards to trusting, trusting the media, trusting politicians, trusting a lot of things. Uh, but I just recently saw a, a video that I think kind of nails that, uh, that point home. And it was a, a like a, congressional or Senate um, uh, interview of a um, of a judge and and they they presented a statement of something that that judge had said in the past and and they said is is this how you you know is this how you felt you know you know were you making an accurate statement and they said no I was working for an advocate at that time and it was like so in other words, <laughs> you will say anything, you know, it, it, it's, it was, it was blowing me away. And I'm like, and this is a judge, you know, or, you know, we have politicians that have, have made statements. <clears throat> and then afterwards, when they're asked about it and stuff, we go, well, that was just, we were just playing politics. Sorry, you're playing with our lives. So right, right. how are we going to trust you when you make statements like that, that, well, I'll pretty much say whatever it is I need if I'm playing that particular game. And uh, anyway, so yes, I understand that you know, what you're saying is I think that is one of the biggest stressors that we can't really look towards someone um, 
you know, I, I think of, you know, with, with my dad and, you know, wanting, you know, at six o'clock, he was going to make sure that he sat and watched Walter Cronkite because he trusted him. Right, right. He trusted him. Now we don't have that trust. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it, it increases the stress level for all of us. Right. This, this fellow at the New York Times, David Brooks, writes about this kind of thing a lot. And he, he calls it the social trust apocalypse. And it's, it, that's the glue that holds society together. And if, you, if that glue no longer exists, you're going to be in real trouble. So we need to work at that level as well. Yeah. Um, now, you, you also, you know, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, too, but we talk about the standard narrative uh, mm-hmm. about stress and why it's insufficient for our understanding. So share a little bit about what you mean by that. Right. Well, again, that's focused primarily on the individual. And that is, that's all fine and good. If you're a clinician and you are working with individuals, it makes sense to do that. But the, the implications are much more widespread and we need to work at that level as well. So, Stress is becoming. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not just an individual affliction. This is going to be the major psychosocial challenge of the next 20 years. And if we don't address it, we're going to have even more problems. But um, the standard narrative, I think, is good. And everybody knows it because we see it all over the popular press. And we see the recommendation for exercise, more sleep, meditation, these kind of things, social support. That's all fine and good. What I like to do is extend it a little further and talk about the power of story and the power of reframing our experience. Because if you look at the stress system of the body, the autonomic nervous system, at the very top of that powerful system is emotion and story and the meaning that we bring to our experiences. And if you can change those stories by these reframes, then that can that can be extremely powerful. So I, I can list off a few of these reframes if you're interested. Please do. Okay. Well, the first one is that stress is a frenemy. And some people are going to say, well, yeah, I know that. I know that already because stress has benefits and it also has negative consequences if it's too severe. But if you're new to this game, the idea that stress being a frenemy, the idea that stress has benefits, that might be a new idea. And that's a good reframe because now you don't have to run away from all the stresses in your life. You can say, oh, maybe I can make my stress precise. Maybe I can help make it more proportional to my life. So frenemy is a good word there. Mm-hmm. Um, another reframe is to talk about stress as information. We are accustomed to thinking of stress as a sensation, a, an unpleasant, toxic sensation. And so we go to our, our therapist or our life coach or whoever it is. I want that sensation to go away so I can feel better. But the stress But the stress is talking to you. It's giving you information about your relationship to the world. And yes, it may be unpleasant, but if you can decode that information, maybe you can take action, maybe step away from the sensation a little bit and listen to what stress is trying to tell you. So that's a vital reframe. Another reframe is to say that stress is a sign that you're paying attention to the world. 
you've opened up the aperture of your consciousness far enough to let in some of the unpleasant facts about the world. And that's a sign that you're on the right track. It may not feel good, but you are living in an authentic way that's relevant and you're doing the, you're doing good work essentially. So those are some ideas about reframing. All right. We're speaking with Frank Forensic. And his book is called Beware False Tigers, Strategies and Antidotes for an Age of Stress. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Answers Network. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, Westfield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, Westfield Adolescent Services and Westfield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. Our guest is Frank Forensic, and his book is Beware False Tigers, Strategies and Antidotes for an Age of Stress. Uh, now, we've got a couple of listener questions that have come in, Frank. Yeah. And again, I want to take the time to really thank the listeners that, that uh, send in questions or send in comments. Uh, you know, we, we've had comments. We've had uh, suggestions of guests and stuff. So sometimes for those of you out there, uh, if you were listening to a particular guest and you like them, it may very well be that another listener or viewer recommended them. So this um, first question says, there has never been a time that I can remember when everyone is ex uh, expressing how stressed out they feel. Uh, they are trying to turn off the news, but something keeps them watching because of the uncertainty of the future of our country. We are truly looking for a way to get past these feelings, and I am very much looking forward to your interview and perhaps some solutions you may offer. Thank you for putting this book out. And this is from Ariana in Pennsylvania. Thank you. Yes. So general solutions. Yeah. I, um, when I think about the human body, I see it surrounded by three concentric circles and i call these life support circles and one stress solution here is to focus on these circles and you could be proactive here mm -hmm. so these circles the first circle is habitat and this is your natural environment that gives you your food your water your air and everything else that needs to be obviously protected the second circle is people tribe community that's a life support system and the third circle is culture, meaning, and story. And that can also be seen as a life support system. Now, the thing there, we, we have dysfunctional relationships at all these levels, which th that's another conversation. But for now, let's talk about the third circle, the circle of culture, story, and meaning. And that's where we can all play a part because the problem right now is we, we don't really have a unified narrative about where we're going as a people. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, we need to go forward. We need to go backwards. We, we're going the wrong direction, whatever it is. We need to have a unifying narrative. And this is where anybody can have a voice. Anytime you're in conversation with somebody, you can contribute to culture culture is malleable you can you can help direct us toward that unifying narrative and that's that's a challenge that holds a lot of potential for us 
Yes. Um, unfortunately, I think that um, in too many cases, uh, people have realized some of the psychological or the statistics about uh, the psychological advantage of negative information versus positive information. And right. for those people that are trying to get their 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 point across um, or or get their vote or whatever, um, you know, but I, I think that as as a people, we need to identify those people. And 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 I think with so many things, if you just shine a light on it, if you shine a light on it and say, do you realize why this person is so divisive? Mm-hmm. Because because they have a team of people that have uh, that have determined that psychologically that you're going to respond better or, or remember more if they keep feeding you negative divisive information we can shine a light on it so people can see it, maybe they won't take it in as much, which is one of the reasons, you know, why, you know, why I have this show is Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I, I recommend to everybody, don't just listen to my show or watch my show. There are lots of people out there doing very, very positive things like yourself. If we can get more people to recognize that and turn off those negatives, or at least recognize them for what they are, we as a people, I think, need to take these things back. Right. And what, what you're describing is sometimes called the negativity bias. We, yeah. the, the, the autonomic nervous system reacts more strongly to bad than to good. And that's been shown in the laboratory and it's, it's a real thing. And that's why politicians can take advantage of that. And I think the antidote here is simply to realize that, in a sense, you're being remote controlled from afar. Somebody is talking through your phone and giving you a fear-based message to elicit some kind of response. But as soon as you recognize that you are being remote controlled, then it ceases to have so much power over you. So, And then you can, you can have your own narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and, and anyone who has listened to this show for any period of time knows that my favorite part is when our guest sh- shares success stories and solutions. Uh, can you lead us through some of your favorite solutions for stress relief, both individually and social? And and you mentioned earlier, when you mentioned story, it clicked with me. If you can share some success, uh, some solutions through success stories, I'm right there hoping to get as much as we can all get. Well, for me, the number one strategy is to spend more time in nature. And that's mm-hmm. something that, uh, that I'm fortunate because I live in Bend, Oregon, and I have a trailhead that is quite close to my house, and I can go out with my dog pretty much any time. And that is really valuable. Um, the other success story you might say is to start looking at activism as as a stress reliever and a form of medicine even because what you're doing when you act in the world is you're connecting up with your sense of meaning and purpose and that is exceptionally powerful uh, remember victor frankel t- writing in his book um man's search for meaning and he quotes Nietzsche and they're like, he who has a why to live can endure almost any how that's really important. And we, we need to identify those things in life that give us a sense of meaning and then act upon those things. That is what works for me. And I, there's a lot of things I could be doing right now, but I sat down one day and I said, look, here's a list. These are the things that give me the most possible meaning. I want to have a voice in the world. And that works. That even if I'm having the bad day or the bad week or whatever it is, hey, I'm acting on my sense of meaning and purpose. And that sustains me. Gotcha. Okay, we have another question that came in. Uh, This one reads, I'm a physical therapist working with athletes in the L.A. area. Your title struck me so hard as I am seeing more and more unnecessary injuries that I believe are stress-related. I read an article a few weeks ago in Psychology Today entitled, Is COVID-19 Causing an Epidemic in Sports Injuries? 
I've purchased your book and would like to know your thoughts on the title of that article and how your book will be helpful to my clients. This is from Nathan in California. Well, thank you for that question. Um, I've spent some time in the physical therapy world. I went to massage school. I, I know a little bit about this. And when I look at, I, I'm really interested in athletic injuries because I've had my share. But um, what I see, number one, is so much specialization in the athletic world. That's historically abnormal for the human animal. We, we are hunter-gatherers. That's what we do. And all these sports that we have now, especially when practiced at a really high level, are almost bound to produce injuries. And especially in youth sports, that the professionalization of youth sports is really a problem. And that's compounded by the level of competition in this society. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a problem. Now, I understand why someone will fall in love with a sport. And now you have to manage your stress in that sport. But coaches know how to do this. Coaches are the best because they say, when you train hard, I'm, I'm sorry, when you train, train really, really hard. And when you rest, rest as deeply as you possibly can. So this is the, this is the life of a professional athlete. Train hard, rest deeply. And that's the rhythm we're going for. You know, when, when you were saying that and you mentioned um, uh, the problems of it starting so young, uh, when my kids were in Little League uh, and one of the speakers we had was a, a former professional baseball player by the name of Rex Hudler. Um, he was also a sportscaster afterwards, but he, he was a big personality. He wasn't a big star, but he was a big personality and did play pro ball. And to me, he gave one of the most enlightening and uh, thought-provoking speeches to the kids on opening day. And he turned to the kids and he's, he's talking to all of them about the game is fun. Go out there, have fun. You're young, you're growing. And, and it was such a beautiful thing. And the kids, you could see they were all getting very excited and, and really felt good about what they were doing. What he did next is what made the biggest difference. He then turned his back to the kids and he looked at the parents that are now all up in the stands. And he said, you are the ones they can screw this up for them. He said, every one of them is not going to end up being a pro player. Every one of them does not need to, to, you know, uh, you know, to work hard every day and to, um, you know, to make this their whole life. They don't, and every one of them does not need you yelling at them every time they make a mistake. And anyway, I, it was the first time that I'd ever seen something that was so beautiful that he, he kept it very cool for the kids but he really got on the parents because he said that is, you know, the biggest problem is, is that because for those of you that think that little Johnny out there is, is, you know, if you ride him hard enough, he's going to become a pro and you're going to live through him. Don't do it <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yes, I agree that, you know, there's so many of these injuries because they are pushing so much and in you know, the money that you see now, you know, when people are signing, you know, seven figure, eight figure contracts. Um, and it's, you know, I think that you have these parents that are, cause that, you know, they're screaming at the coaches, they're screaming at the umpires and the kids are just out there trying to have fun. Right. Right. Yeah. We've taken the play out of play. Essentially. Yes. And uh, I mean, everybody my age has a story of when we were kids, we used to play three or more sports on any given day. When you're 10 years old, you play baseball in the morning and football in the afternoon, basketball later on. I mean, it, that diversity of experience is really good for the body. And there's yeah. no need to specialize early on. So, well, I just had a conversation with someone the other day as you were bringing that up. We also rode our bike to all of those different, wherever, wherever that activity was, we rode our bike to that. Um, <clears throat> over 4th of July, uh, my girlfriend and I, we, we rode our bikes to go to visit people. And I tended to notice that uh, having a bike that did not have an electric motor 
<laughs> was the minority now. Yeah, yeah. Most of the kids were riding electric bikes mm -hmm. and it wasn't the electric bike to where you're pedaling and it's helping you a little bit. They're kicking their feet up and just going. How do you think that's going to affect us now in the next generation when um, they're not even getting that level of exercise? Oh, yeah. And the same thing in Bend, Oregon. This happened almost overnight. You see everybody on the e-bike now. And, of course, some people use it wisely, but a lot of people don't. So between the e-bikes and the phones and everything else, this um, we're creating an alien lifestyle that's completely out of step with our history as animals. And you're, you can just predict what's going to happen. And we see it, but we're not taking it seriously. We need to recreate some sort of ancestral lifestyle to some degree that involves physical striving as part of that. And by making everything easier and more convenient, we're setting ourselves up for some real problems. And we're already seeing that. Yeah. Well, we've got about, about four minutes uh, and what I'd like to, to do is for you to have this time to either share some of the success stories or relay some of the, the major points that you would like to leave people with. And then I want to close with, um, you know, how they can find the book or how they can reach you. Right. Well, one idea that touches on story and how important that is People have done research in the laboratory comparing experiences that are labeled as challenges with those that are labeled as threats. Mm -hmm. And this turns out to be fundamental because the body responds differently in ways that you can measure. So if you are going into an experience that's labeled as a challenge, the the physiology of the body will respond in a way that's beneficial and it will support. So again, the stress is a frenemy there. Mm -hmm. That's the friend side of things. Right. But if that experience is labeled by you as a threat, everything goes the opposite way. So the blood vessels shut down, the, um, the nervous system doesn't work as well. You don't code memories as well. Everything's bad. So you can use this in your daily life by looking at experiences and asking that question, is this a challenge or is this a threat? For example, I have a friend who's an attorney and mm -hmm. she goes into some high profile presentations that she has to give in court or in front of other people. And it definitely a stressful experience. But the day before, the night before, she says, this is a challenge. This is not a threat to my life. And I feel excited. I don't feel stressed. And she works the story and it makes a huge difference. So I would encourage people to make that same distinction. You've got mm -hmm. something coming up. Is this a genuine life threat? Is it a real tiger? Well, if so, you've got to take action. But more likely, it's a challenge. And that means you can relax. Your body's going to take care of it. Yeah, I like it. Um, and I think that also ties into what we talked about earlier in regards to the cortisol in our body. When, when, when we feel that there is a threat, our cortisol spikes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and if we continue to feel that it's a threat, now we're in a constant, a constant state of our cortisol spiking. Whereas, as you said, if we can turn that into something that's just a challenge, I think we're also going to bring our cortisol down, which is now going to help us uh, physically as well as mentally. Right, right. Another reframe that I do a lot with people is I, I say, you are not diseased. In other words, if you're feeling, if you're in this quagmire of stress and anxiety and depression and despair and all of that, um, it's very tempting for people to blame themselves and say, well, I feel this way. I'm in this quagmire. There's something wrong with me. And then somebody like me comes along who takes a big picture view. And I said, no, actually, you're not diseased. You are responding to the way any wild animal would respond to living in an alien environment. So 
that's a powerful reframe. And I remind myself of that all the time because, uh, yeah, we're living in a way that, um, well, for example, you put your dog in the garage and you leave him there for six months. He's not going to be happy. There's nothing wrong with your dog. The, the problem is with the context and the setting. And if you remember that, you'll do better. I love it. Frank, thank you so much. And again, not only for just writing the book, but again, for paving the way, uh, for providing uh, thoughts and ideas and ways in which people can get involved. They can not only reduce their own stress, but they can also come up with ways to make a positive difference in the world. And that's what we're all about. Yeah, absolutely. Real pleasure. All right. Well, again, I want to thank you. Now, uh, uh, I assume the book can be gotten you know, most anywhere you can get books as far as Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or your local bookstore. Right. And for people who are interested, you can go to the website, which is exuberantanimal.com and everything's there, all the books and the videos and everything else. Perfect. Okay. Again, that's exuberantanimal.com. If you're driving, don't worry about that part of it. We'll make sure that it's, um, you know, that it's on our website as well so that people know how to get a hold of you. And again, thank you, Frank, so much for everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. And real pleasure to be on with you. All right. And for everybody out there, please join us next week when we're going to be speaking with Eric Qualman. He's the author of The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less. And believe me, after a life of doing a lot, doing less sounds pretty darn good. So, Uh, If you get the opportunity, please visit our archives of past interviews at Answers.network or just subscribe to the show either through Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and so many other platforms. Uh, If you listen to a platform and you don't find us, tell them that you want us or jump to one of the other platforms. The next time that you are on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, please remember stop by our page. Check out some of our latest posts. If you like them, please like us and spread the word. For everybody out there, be good human beings and be with us again next week on Answers Network. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on LA Talk Radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.